Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. Here's Henry on the right side to the 10. Henry to the 5. Henry to the end zone. For double two, Derrick Henry. Second and goal from the two. Hill out of the gun. Now they run quarterback power and Taysom Hill walks into the end zone. And there's still not been a team in the NFL has proven they can stop that play down tight. And the Saints go up 13 to nothing on a two-yard run by Taysom Hill. Wisnowski has it down. Robbie Gold has it straight ahead. And good! The 49ers have beaten the L.A. Rams again! Twice this year, twice last year. Sweep them up, baby. Second down and eight. Toss fake to Jones. Rolling left, Rodgers. Winds up, rainbows. Tugging it out there. Touchdown! On a rainbow down the middle to Robert Tunyon. They beat Eddie Jackson, the all-pro in the deep secondary. Some of the highlights from the day in the NFL. PK, a high-profile game, Kansas City and Tampa Bay, and Tyreek Hill did whatever he wanted in the first half, and the Chiefs hold on to beat the Bucks 27-24. Chiefs are rolling along with one loss, while the Bucks now have lost three out of the last four. You writing them off for the postseason at 7-5? and five? I mean, they'll be in it, but not going anywhere. Okay, that's two different things, obviously. Yeah, I think that Tom Drady is showing his age. He's still decent, but he's not dominant. Whereas Patrick Mahomes absolutely is dominant. That throw that he made to, to Hill to put them up, uh, what was it, 27-10 in the right corner of the end zone? I mean, you you literally couldn't have made the better throw. Hill was covered, and he made a great catch. But that throw was just absolutely perfect, spot on, whatever you want to say. It really is something to watch this young man play quarterback. He right now clearly, obviously, is the best, and to me, uh, he's the most entertaining player in the game. I wouldn't write the pa- uh, Buccaneers completely off, but uh, you know you lose this many in a row, and you, you got a situation basically. They may get beat down the stretch. They're not playing teams that are very good, so I could see them going four and zero the rest of the way here. But you go through their schedule and look at what have they done against playoff teams, two and four. So get to the playoffs, and maybe you win a game, but it's hard to see them winning more than two. Two would get him to an NFC title game, but even that seems like a little bit of a reach the way things are going right now. Other games in the NFL, uh, there were some teams that were, uh, I thought they were at least decent. They were playoff teams, and I expected them to win, and they still may be playoff teams, but it was red flags going up. The Raiders, who'd be the last playoff team in the uh, AFC or just outside of it there, they they got smoked in Atlanta, 43-6. And the Cardinals got beat by the Patriots, 20-17. And Arizona's still the, the last team in the NFC wildcard picture. But that was not good. Yeah, I would be more concerned about the uh, Raiders. That margin of victory or defeat was just absolutely awful. I think the Falcons are a better team than they've shown. Coaching change and- like Houston, changing everything for those two clubs? Yeah, they, they weren't playing to their level of talent, and obviously they put it together. The Cardinals, if they are a playoff team, they're barely a playoff team, yeah. which in my mind means you're barely above 500, mm-hmm. usually. 
So probably where they should be. They've had the, the thing about it is they had a couple of nice wins, and then they reverted back to what they probably are, and maybe we didn't think they were, but nevertheless, this is where they are. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta started 0 5. Obviously, they had a coaching change, but they are now 4 and 2 with Raheem Morris in charge, and you got to wonder how good a play he's making here uh, for the gig. Um, they haven't beaten the best teams in the league, and they, they got pretty well dominated by the Saints, who are the best team in the division, and we'll see how they stack up in the league. But nonetheless, after your 0 5, 4 and 2 is a it's a pretty strong turnaround. Jason Hill ran for two TDs, threw for less than 100 yards. Cam Newton threw for less than 100 yards. It's odd to see a couple of teams win with quarterbacks throwing for less than 100 yards in what has become a, a passing league. Well, one team didn't have a quarterback, so, you know. Yeah. It made it easier for him, no doubt. Get the lead and just run it and get out of there. Uh, I, I, why, why risk it? As I said on television, the only way the Saints were going to lose that game was through turnovers and special team scores and those types of things. And it's not like Taysom Hill is Drew Brees in his prime by any stretch. He's got a long way to go. So uh, there'll be time for Hill to prove himself. Over the course of however many games he's allowed to be the starting quarterback, or however many games he earns the right to be the starting quarterback, he will prove himself either not worthy or worthy. Obviously, I hope it's worthy for the kid. He seems like a nice guy. Uh, but yesterday wasn't one of those days to be proving yourself. It was just get out of there and move on. Well, they're going to go play the uh, Falcons next week, so we'll see if they can duplicate what they what they did at home. They've got the best record in the NFC right now. The Saints are nine and two. Green Bay's right behind them at eight and three. The Packers just shredding the Bears, forty-one uh, twenty-five. Doesn't really do justice to how lopsided that game got. Aaron Rodgers with four touchdown passes. Uh, that, that looked easy for Green Bay. It looked really easy. I turned it off. I didn't watch the fourth quarter. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, Seattle's 7-3. and three. They could get to be 8-3 and three and right there with them. They're playing the Eagles tonight. You would expect they would pull that off. Uh, the Eagles, 3-6-1. and one, So they are now trailing the, uh, what, trailing Washington and New York, who are both 4-7 and seven after winning this week. Remember Mike Strauss used to be sports information up at Utah State? I do. He was working at Oklahoma State, and one year they went 0-10-1, and somebody asked him, what was your record? He said, oh... Ten and one. <laughs> nice. Always the way to reference the tie. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. The throw to the corner of the end zone. And the touchdown catch is made. Ryan Thompson, his first of the season. Play action to McGrew. Morris Otten. From the 16, first and 10. Watch the tight end, Odden, down here at the bottom. All by himself. Morris looking that way. Scrambling. Fires. Caught. Otten. Touchdown, Washington. 16-yard strike, and the Huskies take the lead with 36 seconds to go. Utah, 21-0 at the half, loses at Washington, 24-21. They lost the turnover battle, 4-3. PK, when you lose by three, there's a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas, and we could spend a lot of this morning running through the woulda, coulda, shouldas. But, man, nine turnovers in two games, that is a horrible number. That is way too many. 
I think it's just a lot of different things here. I think it's some inexperience on defense, and this is a great time to get that inexperience out of the way. We saw Otten there as I asked Kyle in the post game, you know, about the, the big man uh, getting free across the middle, and he said when you're playing zone concepts, you're still supposed to match up, and they weren't matching up well enough with him. The tight end, Otten, had over 100 yards receiving. Pukunakua made a couple of great, great catches. catches. But, I mean, he's a really good player, and that's one of those players that I've been talking about for a good long while that somebody has got to corral in state because it seems like when they lose kids to out of state, they're not losing just uh, average guys. They're losing potential superstars, and Nakua is one of those kids. So that's one thing going on there, or two things if you count in the receiver. But I think it was more about not uh, covering guys the way they should, and I believe the way that they will over time. And then offensively, it's plagued them for years. They're not getting good quarterback play, and, and they're having problems there, and that. That's been an issue with the program for many, many years. That game-winning drive was Puka Nakua making two huge catches. The yeah. diving catch, the second one was beautiful. Was beautiful. It was more spectacular, but the first one was more clutch because it was third and ten, and they were deep in their own end. And you know, third down's the only down. Get off the field, all that stuff. And he goes out and and grabs that ball for 14 yards and a first down. And after he got in midfield, then Otten had three catches, including the touchdown. So those yeah, two guys catch. killing him. Second catch was John Jefferson was impressed. <laughs> John Jefferson. Nice. Former Arizona State and uh, Charger who was uh, capable of making spectacular grabs. Yeah, he made a catch one year in the back of the end zone against the Wildcats. That is simply known as the catch. His body yeah. literally was entirely parallel to the ground. And in places around Tempe, the photo hangs, bars and whatnot, yeah. it's blown up. It's enlarged, like almost like billboard size. Uh, and uh, Nakua, he's a stud. There's, there's no doubt about it. But for me, the Utes, it's about progression this year. And what a year to have! I don't even can't even call it a year, a season, to have all this opportunity to progress. Because I just can't get worked up on the standings. Uh, I've been saying it for weeks. It continues to manifest virtually every single week. You know, the, uh, and I know that, uh, well, Washington, they didn't know that Utah had uh, the – they both knew they were both playing each other at the same time, so they had the same amount of time to prepare. I understand all that. Uh, Kyle's better with the more preparation time he has. But at the same time, it's not like they got worked. It wasn't 48-10. to 10. It was the lost by three points on the road to maybe a decent Washington team. That's not that bad. Get all get all your foibles and your mistakes out of the way these next few games, regroup, and let's come back and hope we have a real season in 2021. They're playing Oregon State Saturday night. That's been given the 8.30 uh, time slot on ESPN. But as we've seen, those things are flexible. <laughs> Last week was flexible much later in the week. But for now... 8.30 on ESPN. In December, wow. That's something to look forward to. Good <laughs> thing fans can't go to that one. Right. Uh, Oregon State is coming off a uh, win over Oregon. Did that surprise you, the way Oregon State was able to fight back late in that game? I mean, early they were up, okay, but when Oregon took the lead, is Oregon State really going to you know punch back here? And, and they did. Well, it wasn't to me that the surprise was they got the defensive stop because they, they had an interception, then they had a defensive stop. 
Oregon had the interception, then they had uh, – you thought Oregon State uh, was not very good defensively. The nature of the game looked like, obviously, it was going to be high scoring, 41-38. And they got a stop. So I wasn't as surprised that Oregon State scored. It was more to get the stop. Although down there at the goal line, the refs, I mean, they missed the offsides <laughs> goal line. But Oregon, the kid had – I think he had to come back. Just one? And rush – he had to go towards the goal line to make a play. That's how far he was off sides, and they didn't call it. I mean, it was just – he was – his whole body was off sides. They didn't it, call it. And then the quarterback gets hurt. They have to bring hurt, in the yeah. backup, and he rushes at the goal line. So, yeah, it, it's what I've been saying for years in the Pac-12. You try to figure out game to game, seems like every year, two or three head scratchers. This was one of them. I don't think the Pac-12 is going to get a playoff thing. They're not going to play enough games. SC's got the situation. And, and, and to an extent, it's their own fault because they waited. But the Big Ten started. Now Ohio State may not play, so they may not be in. It's, just, it, it's really, really hard for me to get worked up about standings and races this season. Have you seen the point spread for the Utah-Oregon State game? I have not seen any point spreads. I mean, to me, point spreads this year are a joke. I mean, and that's another thing, too. The Utes didn't have all the guys, and Mount Washington probably didn't either. But you know, they're having some guys who can't play because of these other situations, the situation here. And so who's available from week to week? I mean, I, you, they change centers. And, and then, really, if you move somebody from the offensive line over to center, that means you're changing two positions, yep. two out of the five. So it gets crazy. But to answer your question, I haven't. I'd probably say four or five. Utah's favored by nine. Surprised me when I saw that. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Ramsey for Jokio. Bowser makes the catch. Ball's going to be fumbled into the end zone, and the Spartans will recover in the end zone. That is the touchdown on the last play of the game. Kalen Gervin, I believe, ended up with a football in the end zone. Mel Tucker and the Spartans have upset Pat Fitzgerald and the Northwestern Wildcats. A stunner for some in East Lansing. 29-20 will be your final score. Michigan State giving Northwestern their first loss of the year. Northwestern drops to 5-1, and one, and PK, that would seem to be one team BYU can catch in the rankings. They probably have to catch several, but... This week, if the committee's going to go on some kind of course correction for BYU, uh, with BYU not playing and the rest of the teams in front of them either winning or not playing, and there were several that didn't, uh, I guess that's the one team Cougar fans can look at and say, okay, maybe Northwestern drops below us. Maybe Northwestern doesn't go to a New Year's Six. That's one team out of the way. Okay, maybe New Year's doesn't matter Northwestern, but you're not. it's not between you and Northwestern. So, I mean, that... If you're looking for a, a positive, I guess, but that's a stretch. Other games, uh, Stanford beat Cal on a game-time point after late in the game, blocked. So Stanford gets out of there with a win, their first win of the year. Cal's 0-3, Stanford's 1-2. and And UCLA dominated Arizona. There's the other two games in the Pac-12. You take anything from either one of those? quarterback on the first play of the game. They had to put a first-year freshman in there. I mean, what do you expect? 
Colorado beat San Diego State in the non-conference game in Boulder, 20 to 10. Colorado had San Diego State's offense locked up. The only defense was a pick six, or the only touchdown was a defensive score pick six for San Diego State. So Colorado's three and zero, two and zero in league, but three and overall now. DJ and PK Vanderbilt fired Derek Mason. I guess we should mention that, and uh, they got worked. They're zero and eight yeah. this year. Non-conference yeah, that, games. That young lady. <laughs> Who made that squib kick? She, man, this is a tough business. I learned long ago that college football is a business. <laughs> and it's a business for Derek Mason. 27 and 55 there. So another uh, another job opens up. Well, it's an African-American, so we'll hear about that because there's so few. He's, a, he's an Arizona kid, so I've been following him for a good while. Uh, but Vanderbilt's and obviously it's a difficult place to win, which is what people will say when they say, yeah, you can uh, African-Americans, you can get New Mexico State, you can get Vanderbilt. Uh, and I, it's improved to an extent, but not at the rate that many folks would want. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz are going to play three preseason games. December 12th against the Phoenix Suns at Vivint Arena. December 14th, the same two teams here in Utah. And then the 17th, the Jazz go on the road and play the Clippers in L.A. Silver lining, PK, shortening up the preseason. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess so. How many did they normally play? I couldn't tell you. Uh, it had been eight. It had gone down to five or six, and now it's gone down to three. Okay. Yeah, everything is condensed, so of course you would condense that. It's just an issue of being able to have uh, games. That, that's to, to me, I'll be more excited about the preseason than I've ever been because it just means NBA is back and they're closer to playing games. Obviously, we're under a month now. Yeah, it's and what training camp supposed to start this week, right? Yep, and December Tomorrow. twenty-two. So we're looking at a little more than three weeks uh, yeah. to the game. Dennis, Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck are going to meet with the media, kind of the post-free agency preseason uh, Zoom press conference and probably get 20, 30 minutes tops, but probably closer when they to doing that? 20 minutes. They're doing that uh, today, I think, at 1130. And the COVID protocols announced for the NBA. If you test positive, whether you have symptoms or not, you're going to be out a minimum of 12 days. So... That's the way the NBA is going to handle this going forward, at least for now. But that's the plan here as the season gets going. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Utah State closed out the trip to South Dakota with a win. They beat Northern Iowa 82-71. And BYU, a slow start, but then a 30-6 run to close the first half. And they had the game at halftime. And they beat UVU 82-60. Alex Barcelo leading the way with 20 points. Uh, either one of those games do anything for you? Is Barcelo the guy who's going to be leading BYU in scoring this year? They have so many new guys in new roles. Uh, probably, yeah. He's their most veteran guy on this team. So, uh, particularly with the same team, uh, the other guard. Uh, what are they calling the ABBA thing? Because you get the AB and the BA. Uh, thing going on, so that's a little catchy thing, although I don't know that I'd like to be called ABBA. Uh, but uh, the, the, the biggest news for me is that they lost Baxter, who had been starting 
to and he had the same thing last year. He missed the season and he did come back at the end. Uh, but near what's it now, a knee injury? I mean, the kid can't ACL, stay healthy. Yeah. And it's just awful because he's got a lot of athletic ability. I mean, they've got bodies to recover for his loss, I believe. But uh, for him, it absolutely sucks. Yeah, and they've got, they've got guys who can play, but how many... How do you really replace minutes for a guy who is that that long, that athletic? I mean, yeah, I think the loner kid can can handle it uh, over time. He's a freshman, but I'm more concerned about the individual, individual. rather than the blow to the team. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, more college hoops. Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com at 8 o'clock. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks, coming up at 8.30. Dueling questions of the day for both the Utes and the Cougar football programs, and we will get to those coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Derek Favors with us. Derek, I'm sure you noticed jazz fans are pretty excited about having you back with the team. How does that make you feel? Uh, it makes me feel great, honestly. I think the jazz or Utah in general has one of the most loyal, diehard fan bases in basketball and sports or whatever. When I was with the Pelicans after I left, man, they just kept sending me messages and just telling me how much they appreciated me and how much they loved me and how much they wished me the best and they were watching all the games that I was playing in and they couldn't wait for me to come back and play in Utah. And they showed a lot of love, and that meant a lot to me when I was making my decision. I'm very appreciative and very blessed to be able to play in front of them again. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes Toast is brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. It's 0% financing for up to 72 months, plus a $2,500 purchase allowance on a new 2021 XT4, XT5, or XT6. Shop your way at Jerry Signer Cadillac. All right, we got dueling questions of the day for the Utes and Cougars. For the Utes, two games in. What do you think now? And for the Cougars, even Urban Meyer, the guy who brought the school down south to Utah from the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry and his days as an assistant coach at, uh, with the Buckeyes, even he thinks BYU is underrated. So, what can be done for the Cougars and PK for all the people who are hoping that uh, BYU could schedule a game with Miami when Miami was off and Miami's not off anymore. Florida State had COVID tests, was supposed to play Duke. So the ACC has Miami played Duke. So Miami's off the table and Tom Homo was tweeting about it last night, letting people know that calls are out, feelers are out, and he's waiting for a response now. See if they get a game this week. They got a bye week and we haven't heard anything yet. Maybe we'll hear something today. Well, the Miami thing's actually good news for BYU because this whole idea that they were ducking Washington was ridiculous and was ridiculous from day one because the Pac-12 was going to force Washington to play Utah, rightly so. And the same thing with the ACC. Take care of your own first. Well, that's just the way it is in the world, you know. You people, when you have uh, issues, they tell you to turn to your family before you turn for outside assistance. I know this. And I think your organization, DJ, has got to say it's really good. So go ahead and do that. So take care of your own first. Well, how's that relate to BYU? Because I think BYU is willing to play these teams. And so I think they're going to receive some form of benefit. Well, wait a second here. We want to play them, 
but they can't play us. So then you have to risk losing. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Because they would be what you would play these guys, but they're not available. So what do you want us to do? We tried, but they're not available. They've got to play the conference games. And everybody understands, of course, you got to play your conference games first. Get Rearrange it and, and do that. We understand all that. And if you can do it, you know, maybe for, for, the, for BYU's sake, now what would happen if there's a Pac-12 thing that becomes available and it becomes available on a Thursday, like this Thursday, you better just absolutely say yes. Even if it's the most inconvenient thing in the world, you better say yes. The thing that I loved about Urban Meyer, and I watched that Saturday morning, was he got away from the schedule. He got away from what he basically called the other people on the committee who aren't coaches. They're just looking at data, and they're data nerds. And he kept saying, I press play. What that means is he's studying. He's been studying for 30-plus years by pressing play so he can see the quality of a Zach Wilson, of the receivers, of the offensive line. It's not about the opposition. It's about how good you are. And he kept saying, press play, and he would mimic as if he was pressing a remote to play play on whatever apparatus he was watching, and those things have advanced over the years. You know, used to there's that the picture in the BYU media guide of of Lavelle and one of his assistant coaches sitting there with an old reel to reel tape. Well, I mean they have all these fancy cut ups and whatnot now, and you can just at your fingertips. So, Urban's point of pressing play, and therefore that's how I determine the quality of the players and the quality of the team. I thought that really resonated. At least it did with me. Well, I think it resonates more with us. Um, because it's the other side of the rivalry, and why would he stick up for BYU? And then he's a hired gun. Was it really a rivalry to him, or does he just say that during the tears he's blowing? Well, it was here? a rivalry. He, he it, it was a rivalry, it, right? It doesn't have a lifelong meaning to him, but right. it, he understands the rivalry. But the pushing play thing really resonates because he's watched so much film, of right? So many high school guys, and projected them against what is obviously inferior competition. You know, if you're going to play in the Big Ten, if you're going to play in the SEC, if you're even going to play in the Mountain West in 2004, you're going to be way better than all the other high school players on the field. So you have to, as a coach, you have to be able to assess, is someone good when they're completely outclassing the person they're playing? And so that's the essence of recruiting. That, that really is the essence of recruiting right, right and, there. And well in, said. Yeah, and in basketball or, or volleyball or baseball, or you can go down the list, a whole lot of sports, you know, they bring the better players together in AAU tournaments. So maybe you still have to do that a little bit, but not like you do in football. Because there's a high school athlete like you or me, a high school athlete, just someone who played high school sports who was never going to play anything else at a higher level beyond that. And the, the D1, the future D1 star is bigger, faster, stronger, is outclassing him. But how do you know they're going to win for you at the next level? You've got to be able to assess that. And so for a football coach to say that, I thought that was really on point. But to the point that they brought all these people together on, uh, on a committee, how many of them understand that? 
We're in the media, and we've gone on a gazillion recruiting days and listened to coaches. And we've had coaches pull us aside and say, yeah, I like a lot of these guys, but I like this one. And they pointed a name on a piece of paper, or they say a name, and three years later, you're looking at Luke Staley going, oh, they knew. Or you're looking at Eric Weddle, and you're going, wow, he knew. you know. And coaches, they, they do this stuff all the time. So... Will 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 they listen to it? You know, if if BYU wins, or if someone else loses, it's it's easy to move them. But if both teams win, are they going to listen to them and jump BYU over these teams and put them in a New Year's Six bowl? I think we all have our doubts. You'd like to say yes, and if teams lose and the Cougars win and and win with style points and maybe get somebody with a name and a rep and a strong brand, then that makes it way easier to do to just jump them up four or five spots. But we don't know if they're going to get that chance. I'm with you on the if it's inconvenient on a Thursday and you got to do it on short notice, you got to do it anyway. You just you got to you got to say yes. They're going to have to. Yeah, and I think they're prepared for that and it's going to be no excuses unless the covid prevents you. That's about the only excuse. And I don't know if that's an excuse, uh, probably a reason. If you if you don't have enough kids, because that's just the way it is, and seasons for some have been decimated, and we all know the the issue on that. But if a Colorado situation becomes available on a Thursday, as it did, I think uh, the thing about it is on like with ASU last week, we we pretty much knew, at least I did, that there was very little chance that the Utes were going to play. ASU. Uh, ASU. There was a far greater chance that they were going to play Washington, which to me is, you know, this is exactly what had happened. Well, so if you end up in the same situation uh, and you don't know, you you know sort of at the beginning of the week, but you don't really know for sure until Thursday or Friday, well, then you better be prepared for the opportunity to do it and you're going to have to say yes because you probably have an idea ahead of time you're just waiting to see as San Diego State was waiting to see as Colorado was waiting to see about SC but we knew the word got out and I think they should get the word out hey we may have trouble this week I don't see why play the cat and mouse game. It's just the way of the world right now. So if you have trouble earlier in the week and it's a possibility, you let everybody know so the other team can schedule a game, give them that opportunity. And so then BYU should be aware of that and then go quickly, even if it's Thursday night. Get on a plane Thursday night, Friday morning, whatever it is. Fly, particularly if it's in the West and the Pac-12, that's not going to be a long flight. And do it. You're going to have to do it if you want this New Year's Day six. But the thing that I keep coming back to, if BYU, an extent to an extent, doesn't get in a New Year's six, it's their own fault. It's what they traded for the right to be independent. They knew at the time, ten plus years ago, that they were giving up greater access it wasn't the new year's six then it was the bcs but it's essentially it's the same deal same thing they knew that they were giving up greater access 
for the right to have their own scheduling flexibility, to have their own contract with ESPN, receive all the money, and play anybody anywhere, those types of things. And they willingly gave it up, which at the time was absolutely 100% the right thing to do because they were playing on a now-defunct network that very few folks could get, and they're getting a million dollars total, not per game, total. (laughs) So they absolutely made the right move, especially when you factor in Utah hitting the jackpot and the lottery and all that stuff. So if they don't get in, this is what they traded to be independent for. I'm writing about it. We'll post it tomorrow morning. I've already written it up. I'm going to go over it today and fine-tune it. But this is what they did. Is it unfair this year? Well, I hate the word fair because kids have cancer. And you want to talk to me about fair? There's no such thing as fairness as far as I'm concerned. I deal with it every day in my own household. And with that in mind, that's what they gave up. Should they be ranked higher? Yeah, I've got no problem. Because somebody like Urban Meyer, who gives a crap what I think? Urban Meyer presses play. And it's not about the guys on the other side of the ball. It's about the guys on BYU side of the ball. And when Urban Meyer says he presses play and he watches, he said last Tuesday, he said he spent hours watching Cincinnati and BYU. Now, Cincinnati's his alma mater, so maybe there's a little bias there. And actually, maybe there's a little bias towards BYU because he understands BYU a little bit better. He was in the region with uh, Colorado State, and then obviously he coached at BYU. So maybe with the TDS crap and all that he did to Heighten and Robin, I know he stole that from Woody Hayes or Bo Schemlecker or whatever. whatever. Well, I don't care about any of that stuff. That's all a bunch of rivalry. That's fun stuff as far as I'm concerned. It, it really has no bearing on what goes on on the field. And if he understands all that and the quality of the football program, maybe to an extent he is sticking up for them. But he pressed play. So when he says he pressed play, I don't know what better way to describe it because that means he's sitting there watching film, something that he's done. I've watched film, but I haven't watched film for 30 years. (laughs) Like he's done and pressed play with the trained eye that he has. And so, yes, they should be ranked higher. I agree. That's one thing. But if they don't get in, maybe their own fault is too strong because fault – uh, assigns blame. It's the situation that they willingly went into at the time, knowing they were giving up greater bowl access for the opportunity to be de- independent, which in 2010 was the right move. It's a trade off, and, you know, it's one of the things that had to be weighed before it started. And I guess you could say that basically, what, about once a decade? This kind of thing happened. Uh, they didn't get in. They were kind of in the in the hunt, except we knew they weren't going to be allowed in uh, when they were twelve and zero under Croton, right? So for the odds, that'd be the one year where they were in the mix. And then they, we know they lost Hawaii, and then they lost their bowl game. And then they had the Cotton Bowl team in the nineties. They had the obviously the nineteen eighty four team uh, would have been in the mix. I think there was an undefeated team before that that lost a bowl game. Seventy nine. So once a decade, this kind of stuff happens. And sure enough, a decade into independence, they've got an, another special team and it's happening again. So you can set the blame stuff aside and just say, is this worth it? All the other yes. thrills you got in independence, 
you know, is this worth it? I mean, you could have stayed in the league and waited out the TV contract. I mean, everything changes, but you don't know when it's going to change. You know, are you waiting for a year or for five or for 10 or for 15? Um, You know, it's kind of like Utah on the Pac-12 network. This is going to change at some point, but when? I mean, you know the length of that TV deal. Um, Will it be different in the next one? Maybe. Um, You know, the ability to schedule – you had four non-conference games to play with, but now you're at the point where you're playing uh, six Power Five teams. Um, what are they going to do in the future? You know, we'll have to see. But that seems to be where they're kind of settling right now. It was half a dozen Power Five teams this year. You know, there are other big games like the Boise State game, but if you're in the league, you'd still have that. So, well, not if you just if you're in the Mountain West. I mean, yeah. if they want to, if they want access to a better bowl, then join the AAC. Okay, that solves it. But everyone, everyone cringed and made jokes when they were playing East Carolina. It didn't seem like a big game, or when they remember that year they went down to New Orleans and beat Tulane in a pretty much empty Superdome. I do. Did they score seventy in that game? If not, they came close. I mean, it was a blowout. That was a fifty-point game. The Tulane seventy-point game was two thousand one. And so, you if you go in the league, yes, you get big games with whoever is up. It's been UCF, Uh, USF had a couple teams. They're way down now. Uh, Cincinnati and Tulsa are good this year. So you have some of those high-end games. You have better access, but you do have to play the East Carolinas and Tulane's of the world. So what? I mean, that's it's one of those trade-offs. You'll say, so what? And the next person may say, so what? And a person after that may cringe. But you still get to play four big games if you wanted them. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not advocating going yeah. into the conference. I'm saying if the postseason game matters that much to you, then that's the kind of movie you got to make. Then that's the solution. Yeah. It solves it. I don't think it necessarily does. I, re- I really don't. It, it, but if you want it, if, if the bowl game is all that to you, great. Because if the bowl game was all that to Utah, they should have stayed in the Mountain West. <laughs> They've gotten close to the Rose Bowl, but they haven't gotten in, and it doesn't matter. It's like recruiting. You finish second. Whoop the freaking do. This is not like golf where you get the second place prize money, which is a hell of a lot better than the fifth place prize money. It doesn't that no. That's not what it's about here. You're I've I've been in the San Francisco 49er stadium with 25,000 people against Indiana. Come on, man. That that's, that's what you that's what you're playing. And, and and the Alamo Bowl was decent, but and then the Holiday Bowl was decent, but it's not the New Year's Six, no. and if that was your big goal to get to the New Year's Six, then Utah should have stayed in Mountain West because they got into those things out of that conference. But to me, that's not what it's about anyway. It, for, for the Cougars, I don't think it's about And the Cougars here are hitting a home run, man, because the number one thing was exposure. They're getting well, that. Oh, yeah, they had Kalani Sataki last Tuesday night – Represent. I told him, man. I told him afterward. I said, Kalani, man, you handled yourself so well. They're getting exposure in truckloads right now. So, in a way, this is good enough. Just being in the discussion and having Urban Meyer and Herb Street stick up for you—that's awesome. 
We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got the question of the day for the Utes after two games. You can assess them. We will do that next. Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com to kick off the college basketball discussion for the year. We'll do that at uh, 8.05. He's about 20 minutes away. Yogi Roth from the Pac-12 Network is coming up at 8.30. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson. I would just be sitting and waiting for any game to get canceled involving a P5 or a high G5 team. And as soon as a game you see gets canceled or postponed, you immediately get on every you know national radio show or, or national TV show. You get your social media saying, let's go. You had your game uh, blown up. We're ready to go. We'll go to your place. We'll play anywhere you want to play and just go on the offensive. Exactly. I mean, look, we all have fun with the fact that they made Cosmo dancing videos go viral. Let's make some stuff that matters go viral, right? Oh, Riley. You are speaking my language, Riley. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Soaring Networks. Soaring Networks are home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at SoaringNetworks.net. All right, how did the Utes do it? How did they blow a 21-point lead? Why are they 0-2? What do you think of the team right now? And obviously, PK, we would think a lot of things differently about the Utes. We think very differently of the team. If they hadn't blown the 21-point lead, that, that last 30 minutes changed the perception. I think people at halftime were thinking, all right, this team made progress. You really do improve the most from game one to game two. It's a cliche and I hate it, but it's playing out to be true again. And then the final 30 minutes happened. Six possessions, three turnovers. Yikes! Turnovers, 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 turnovers. Gift wrapped Washington a field goal, and they were clearly in field goal range and maybe going in for a touchdown when uh, they fumbled at the 12. Used to this program. Complete overhaul. Complete overhaul? <laughs> Come on. Let's not go crazy here. Uh, yeah, I think they did make improvement. Progress was made. This is so jacked up this season that. I just can't go crazy on evaluations based on final scores. I know you want to win. And, you know, when they were up 21 and scoring and looking great and they were celebrating, Bentley was emotional. Good for him because my guess is this is uh, the only time he plays for Utah is another few games and then he goes on his way. Uh, So why not? When the ball's in the air, it's real football. That's the thing that I love. But – it's, it, the race isn't real. It's not a true race. Whoever wins it playing a half a season, it, it just they're going to count it. But if you don't win it, and obviously the Utes are not going to win it, uh, I don't think that it is just the worst, most awful thing. This program is devoid of talent. They had guys last year, and now they suck so bad. I, I just can't be making extreme judgments either direction. And I'm not going to do it. Yeah, when Ty Jordan fumbled on that one you're talking about, you know, he kept smacking his head like he couldn't believe it. He felt awful. Like, hold on to the ball, blah, blah, blah. But in my mind, it's like, well, good. Get your learning curve out of the way now. 
use these games. If you play four, five, whatever, how many you play, you've already missed a couple. So you're supposed to play seven, so you're down to five unless something else happens. Uh, that's as many as you're going to play. Uh, so get out there. Uh, it'd be great if they went five and zero, oh, but obviously they're not going to do that. Learn your stuff, where you're supposed to be defensively, your assignments. Don't let that tight end get open across the middle. It happened too many times on that. The Morgan and his guys will go to work in a film room and they'll teach these guys. The point being that you know this season was already shot. Before they even kicked off in the first game last week against USC, the season was shot. But as far as learning from this season, it absolutely isn't shot. No, it's critical. It's important. Every practice matters. Every practice is filmed from multiple angles. You go to a practice, you look up in the sky, and you see three or four guys on all sides filming practice, right? So practice matters, unlike what Alan Iverson said. So obviously the games are going to matter probably even more. Maybe not as much this season, but I would argue that, yes, even this season the games are that matter more. That's for sure. So learn from them. Use this as a lab. This season, to me, for most of these schools in the Pac-12, it's a lab. And it labs is, are important. Yeah. It was always going to be a lab for the Utes. They sent too many guys to the NFL. They weren't going to win the division three years in a row. No, There's too much parity in the Pac-12. Nobody wins it three years in a row. I think watching this team and, and seeing what went wrong, I guess if, there's, if you set aside the turnovers, because that's obviously issues you know, one, two, and three. But if you go beyond that, um, offensively, because it always seems to come down to offense with the Utes, they have enough that the defense can win the game. Offensively, who can make big plays? The explosives we hear of. Ty Jordan, yes. Who else? Now, maybe with a different quarterback and with Cam Rising, it'd be different because they have favorite receivers and maybe you're willing to push the ball downfield more. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. You're, you're more mobile, you keep plays alive, and guys have a chance to make big plays down the field. We can come up with a, with a bunch of reasons. Uh, but when you look at the team, and I know Nakua didn't play in the game, and he's made some big plays for him. Uh, well, Samson Nakua, obviously his brother played for Washington and made a couple of great catches. But Samson Nakua didn't play for the Utes. Maybe he's a guy you can point at. But I guess as I watch the Oregon State game, that's the thing I'm going to be watching for. Who else can make big plays? Ty Jordan made some big plays, but who else can do it? And those 20-25 yard gains. The explosives. You love that term. uh, Thompson can do it. Yep. Keithy can do it. I think Samson Nakua can do it. He wasn't available, so he couldn't do it, obviously. But he can do it. So it's the quarterback. Quarterback's got to be able to get him. And the offensive line. Offensive line is somewhat of a mismatch already. We're we're barely into it, and, and it's almost over. <laughs> this is the middle of the season, the no, third no, game. It's, se- it, it's senior <laughs> night. <laughs> this is this is our last scheduled home game, and we don't necessarily know that we don't know from week to week. Uh, really, even when we get to Wednesday, we don't we don't know from midweek to midweek, let alone week to week, uh, that it's exactly the way it's supposed to play out. But this is supposed to be their last home game, right? because uh, they were supposed to have three, and one got canceled. And so they've played one, so this will be the, the third one. Yeah, we don't know what's so, going to happen for that seventh game. They may So it's, it's senior knows. night on guys who are seniors, and we don't know if they're really seniors because they – I don't know what the deadline is, what uh, when they have to decide, uh, or they, they never have to decide. They can go right into 
uh, next August and decide. I'm not sure how that's going to play out. I mean, obviously the teams need to know ahead of that, but I don't know if they're going to create some arbitrary deadline or leave it to the individual teams to figure that stuff out. So everything is crazy, uh, but the line has been mishmash and get get experience there. They're playing some young guys, which is this this is the year. This is the season to play as many youngins as you possibly can. You know, to me, if I'm Utah, I'm glad of the timing because I wouldn't want a, a team with 10 NFL guys to – Oh, that would have sucked. This season. <laughs> that, because people are going to look at, wait a second, you'll play five games and you're going to crown yourself the champions? No. No one's really going to view that as completely legitimate. So the timing for Utah, if you step back from that, and there's no good timing for COVID, we understand that, but from the football perspective, I'd rather have it be exactly the way it is. Have my full team last year when I won the division, and nobody said you won the division illegitimately or it didn't count or any of that stuff. And this year, we're going to say that to a degree. So this is the best year for them to have all these dudes get the experience, to have this lab of a season as we're labeling it. All right, DJ and PK, we're taking a break. When we come back, Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com, to assess the college basketball season. Uh, he will be crunching numbers, and one of the guys who puts together uh, his, his program used by the NCAA Selection Committee, so that's pretty high price. We'll talk with Ken Pomeroy, and he's a local guy, too. We'll talk with Ken Pomeroy coming up. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks, will join us at 8.30 for more on the Utes and the Pac-12. Stay with us.